0: Money FM 89.3, best of the evening runway.
1: The Weekly Wrap on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon. It is the evening runway. I'm Elliot Danker. Let's take a look at the top local headline of the week in our weekly wrap. Singapore's presidents will be able to accept appointments at international organizations in a private capacity, allowing them to act and express views independently under constitutional amendments that were passed in parliament this week. So what value does this new bill have for Singapore and could any time spent serving private interests be time taken away from the president's national? Duties and his constituents. On the line with me is Eugene Tan, Associate Professor of Law, Singapore Management University. Prof. Tan, how are you?
0: I'm great, Elliot, and hope you're good too.
1: I have been well. It's nice to hear from you again. It has been a while. Good piece to talk about. I understand you've also written a commentary uh, on this matter in the Business Times.
0: Yes, I have. I think it's always good to discuss amendments to the Constitution, you know, in a way to try to make it accessible, uh, you know, to the general public. And as always, you know, it's always good to be able to share my views and provide food for thought. Yeah, you can,
1: can over to businesstimes. dot com if you want to read that piece. And uh, it's always exciting for anyone in law when an amendment to the constitution happens. So the bill creates this framework for the president and ministers to take on international appointments in private capacities, if it is in line with national interests. Prof, could you explain the framework a little bit? What's the assessment to ensure that's in line with national interests?
0: Yeah. So, Elliot. So, when we talk about the framework, it, it's very much about putting in a now. Proper process, you know, by which uh, presidents and cabinet ministers, if they want to accept and hold an office in a foreign or international organisation in their personal capacity, uh, there is a process by which, you know, they would have to abide by. This all this is provided for. Uh, you know, in the constitutional amendment, right? So so this goes at the highest level, right? So you're talking about the, the mother of all laws in the country, the mm. constitution, and really what it does is to formalize and regularize a process which had been taking place through administrative uh, means in the past. So, for example, previously, you know, Mr. Lee Kuan Yew, uh, when he was senior minister and minister mentor, um, you know, had held a, a position at the J.P. Morgan International Council, okay. and because as a cabinet minister, you know he reported, um, you know, to the prime minister. The prime minister would then assess and then, and, you know, give his permission, you know, put in place whatever conditions or criteria, um, you know. But now we have, you know, the elected president, uh, Mr. Tharman Guratnam, and that office, you know, in protocol-wise, you know, uh, ranks ahead of the prime minister. You know, so so you could have a situation where the prime minister would be able to give permission. Mm. Um, but but what it does, you know, is to put in place, um, you know, conditions, right, you know, by which, uh, you know, the president uh, has to abide by, you know, before he can accept and hold, you know, an office. Um, and, and so essentially, uh, we're looking at, at three conditions. You know, one is that uh, in holding such an office, you know, he would not be uh, disabled, uh, you know, from performing the constitutional functions of this office. And secondly, right, the candidate, Will advise the president, you know, whether it would be in the national interest to hold to have that appointment.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and third, you know, the president uh, must concur with, with the cabinet's advice. But let me come to your question about what's in the national interest. Yeah. Now, the, the amendment doesn't define, uh, you know, what is meant by the national interest, you know, because it is really, you know, what we call a polycentric consideration um, matter, you know. But what it does means is that the country benefits, all things taken into consideration as a result of, you know, the president or a cabinet minister uh, holding and accepting uh, such an appointment. Uh, you know, so it's really a, a multifaceted consideration, you know, as to you know whether the pros outweigh the cons. You mm-hmm. know, does it raise Singapore standing in, in the international arena? What are some of the risks from holding such an appointment?
1: Okay, so, I mean, I guess this is kind of following up from your last comment, the risk of holding such an appointment or or sort of weighing the issues. I mean, if this was an issue before, why is it now okay to have this law? Or is it really just about helping Singapore to punch above its weight?
0: I think it's all of the above, right? You know, I think certainly this constitutional amendment recognizes, you know, that our elected officials, um, you know through their involvement in certain international bodies in their personal capacities can also further the national interest um, but I think it is also uh, important to recognise that, um, you know, Mr. Tarman, you know, in, in his various appointments, you know, on the G30, the World Economic Forum, the Human Rights, uh, uh, sorry, the Human Development uh, Report Advisory Body uh, of the UN, he had this appointments even as a, as a serving Cabinet Minister, um, you know. But now that he's President, you know, it, the, the as head of state, uh, you know, who is there to give uh, permission for him to accept and hold uh, these appointments? So there is a need for for this constitutional amendment. I suppose, you know, one could do it through ordinary legislation, you know, but because this concerns the head of state, you know, and how that might interfere, if at all, you know, with this constitutional role, I think the, the government, as well as its legal advisors, have taken the view that it is better to do it through the constitution.
1: Mm -hmm. And I hope you appreciate that little nod to your op-ed. The elected officials serving in international bodies help Singapore to punch above its weight. Go check it out on businesstimes.com. Prof Tan, (laughs) I... I need to talk about the people who oppose this. Eight opposition lawmakers from the Workers' Party and Progress Singapore Party voted against the law. I'm trying to phrase this as best as I can. I mean, was there any <laughs> surprise here or is it just opposing for the sake of opposing? <laughs> there, I said well,
0: it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a fair question. You know, I, I must say I, I was surprised, right? Because yeah. I, as my piece in the Business Times argued, you know, I see more upsides. Uh, Than downsides, and sure. the downsides you know can be properly uh, managed, um, yeah. you know, because yeah. for example, the requirement that you know the president must not be disabled from performing his his primary constitutional functions, um, you know, but they raise legitimate concerns, you know, although I, I must say, um, you know, concerns such as. Oh, you know, this is about, you know, the ruling party using its overwhelming majority to make constitutional amendments. And more than that, you know, to backdate uh, this constitutional amendment, you know. And and the question of, you know, would the president be neglecting his duties and all? I didn't find those reasons convincing at all. Mm. You know, Um, while I wouldn't go so far as to say that they were opposing for opposing sake, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think it raises um, you know, serious questions about whether they properly understand um, you know, the role of our uh, leaders in the international arena, okay. and that many issues that Singapore faces, right, whether we are talking about COVID-19, sure. or climate change, or artificial intelligence, um, you know, the, the concerns don't stop at, at the water's edge, right, they go mm-hmm. beyond our borders, and what happens overseas also affects Singapore. Okay. So, uh, on that score, I felt that, um, you know, it was really a
1: misplaced, you know, objection. Right. Right. So, Prof, here's my comment as a Singapore citizen. Ah, yeah, it's President Taman we're talking about. He already holds four international appointments. <laughs> here's my question as a journalist. Can he actually juggle all these obligations and the presidency?
0: Well, I think that there is no reason, um, you know, why he can't. I, you know, these appointments, as I mentioned earlier, you know, he, he had them even before he became president. Yeah, And I think, you know, that there is a due process, you know, by which, uh, you know, an office holder can accept a first appointment followed by a second, followed by a third, followed by a fourth, right? So I think there were very con- careful considerations, you um, know, right. and, and I think we must remember, right, you know, that many of these appointments, you know, they really function in an ad- advisory capacity, right? right? So, so they're not doing day-to-day running of these organizations. You're not giving, you know, they, they're not on call all the time. Um, you know, so I think yes, you know, it is a legitimate concern, and I think the constitutional amendment recognizes that, and so sets seeks to put in place a proper process. Okay. And, you know, and, and so I think you know, no elected an elected official would be would be rather foolish, mm. uh, you know, to to spend more time, you know, on these appointments than on his prime his or her primary constitutional. Duties, you know, mm. but we must also remember, right? In taking on this appointment, there comes responsibilities, right? So, so it's not about taking on because it's prestigious; it's good, yeah. Yeah. you know. But really, you know, the the, the the elected official must be able to determine whether he or she can meaningfully contribute, and and whether. You know, all that will be in the
1: Singapore's national interest. Hmm. I suppose, Professor, we're saying this as well with the kind of faith that we have in President Thaman simply by knowing how he's worked the uh, the past couple of decades. But in the future, uh, if another elected official decides to take on more than four roles, five roles, six roles, seven roles, <laughs> for whatever, as you meant as as we both agree for these reasons. The check and balance has to come in, I guess, with this law means an even greater scrutiny and even greater assessment with each appointment?
0: Oh, definitely. You you know, uh, what I uh, didn't quite mention
1: earlier, Mm. you know, is
0: that all these appointments, uh, you know, will now as a result of this new law, uh, they will have to be published in the Government Gazette. Ah, yes. Now, so so that's open knowledge, right? Yes. It, it's not that in the past all these appointments were held in secret, Yeah. right? But the law now mandates, you know, that these appointments be published. And, you know, the ultimate check and balance, you know, Elliot, really are the people of Singapore, right? So if an elected official you know, is seen to be neglecting his primary constitutional mm. duties, you know, mm. in Singapore. Uh because he or she is seen to be spending too much time on all these international appointments, uh, that elected official will certainly pay the price. You know, we are talking about elected officials. Yeah. Right. So they will have to to, to juggle all these different commitments well, um, you know, because if they don't, right, you know, you know the the public could could attribute it. Mm. Uh, you know, to them, you know, taking on too many appointments. So I would say that, you know, there is this check and balance, yeah. you know, and we must always remember, right, the issues that we face, uh, you know, the, the, they are international in nature. And if we can contribute and to, in order to remain relevant to the global community of nations, we have to play our part.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I do appreciate the the discussion, Professor, because it, it really does illustrate and lead back to that headline because it does allow Singapore to punch above its weight if it's conducted well. It does, right? You know, and, and we must remember, right? You know, as a
0: small country, you know, relevance doesn't come naturally, yeah. Particularly yeah. one where you know we don't have we're not an economic superpower, yeah. Right, so we must continue to be relevant, right? Yeah. You know, so our public servants do that on a day-to-day basis, right? So, for example, we have Darren Tang, you know, who hates, uh, you know, the World Intellectual Property Organization. Mm. But we're now talking about elected officials, right? Um, You know, and and I think where they are asked to serve, um, you know, and uh, if a proper assessment is made that that they can contribute and further Singapore's national interest, then I think, you know, we we should try to step up, um, you know, to that call, yeah.
1: I've been speaking with Eugene Tan, Associate Professor of Law, Singapore Management University. Thank you so much for your time. So take care and have a great weekend ahead.
0: You too, Elliot. Thank you again for having me. Always a pleasure. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.